It's good to be back. Uh, I was, we were uh, up at Lincoln last night, uh, last week. I was in Atlanta watching my uh, nephew, Heath Gill, uh, participate or, or perform at the Atlanta Ballet Group. Uh, I did a Google search on Heath. You ever done a Google search on yourself and then a relative? Uh, you find nothing with me, okay? And uh, I've never been to a ballet before. Never seen what that's like because they don't talk in this one. It's like a silent film. Um, like the artist almost in that sense, but no closed caption. It's all choreographed. It was the story of Romeo and Juliet, and it was amazing. And uh, just a really uh, moved to tears a couple of times. I was very, very impressed. But it's good to be back, and I know Gary took care of things uh, yesterday, uh, last, or last Sunday, so I'm filling in for him today, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. We're in a series called, on stewardship called Under New Management, and I don't know if, if you're anything like uh, I am on this, but a lot of times when you hear a series on stewardship, you assume it's about money. You know, and by the way, preachers hate talking about money, um, especially if they're on the payroll. They really hate talking about money. I'm not on the payroll here, and I don't like talking about it. And you probably don't like listening about uh, this idea of money management. Well, this series is more than about money. Yeah, we'll talk about money sometime in this series, but we find that, that, that stewardship is much broader than dollars and cents. It's really dealing with not only managing uh, your money, but also managing everything that you have, everything that God has given you. In fact, uh, someone defines stewardship like this. Stewardship is using God's resources to accomplish God's mission. That's what it's for. It's using everything that God has given me. That includes, and we've, we've talked for uh, about a year now, we've, sit, we've alluded to this, we've used uh, words that begin with T to kind of help us remember our time, talents, and treasures. And uh, so as we were looking for material, as Alan and uh, Gary and I were looking at material, what to cover in stewardship, we noticed that it isn't just a, 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 a mindset of those that maybe don't attend church, that it seems like churches, they talk about stewardship, all they want is money. We notice that even in the Christian, amongst the Christians, we tend to focus stewardship only on money. We couldn't find any material to go through our small groups that would really help us until we finally stumbled across what many of you now have uh, and you're going through in your discipleship groups. That we're learning that God not only is wanting us to use his treasures to accomplish his will, but our time, our talents, our togetherness, our relationships, in other words, our trash. Have you ever heard a sermon on taking care of the earth? I never have. I've never spoken on it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about how we're going to be stewards of the earth and take care of the earth. What do you do, guys, when you change the oil in your car, the used oil? What do you do with it? You don't drink it. No. You don't, do you take it to some place or do you just spill it on the ground? You know, what do you do with that antifreeze when no one's looking? You know, you just, you know, it's, a, it's all kinds of things the Bible talks about taking care of the earth. And today I, I, I wanted to add another T to this uh, that's not on the material in our discipleship group, but I think that makes a point, a case in point. And that's the word temple. The word temple. Uh, look at the Bible says here. This is the passage that, that David uses in Psalms 24.1. He says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. And I notice two things. The Bible saying here, David says, Everything belongs to God 
And every body belongs to God. It includes you, me. We all belong to God. And stewardship is taking care of everything. And one of the things that we're to take care of is our bodies. And you might be thinking, uh-oh, here we go. We're going to be talking about diet and exercise. We're going to be talking about nutrition today. We're going to be talking about, you know... And by the way, those of you who have, uh, that are physically fit, you take, uh, what's it called, Zumba or Zuma or whatever it's called. You're taking something like that. Or you're exercising, and you're probably going, Yeah! I can sit back and relax. Mm, I don't know. You know, and when we talk about the body, I think those of us who are in shape tend to think, well, you know, uh, go after those that are not. And those of us that are not, I mean, I'm not you, but I don't have a six pack. I have more like a party pack going on here. And so I understand, you know, I can understand that, that many of us here, we're not, we kind of let ourselves go uh, with our diet, with taking care of our bodies. You may say, oh, you're after me today. No, I'm just after what the Bible has to teach. I'm here to pick on anybody. not here to shame anybody. I just want you to look at what the Bible has to say, and hopefully it'll motivate you. It'll motivate you to take care of your body. You say, why is, why we, what's the temple and the body got in common? Well, the Bible compares our bodies to a temple. You remember Jesus one time? He said something like this. He said, hey, you destroy this temple... And I'll raise it in three days. He says that one time. And some guys said, wait a minute, it took 46 years to build the temple. How are you going to do that? And he said, well, I'm going to do it in three days. And then it says the temple he was, had spoken of was his body. The Apostle Paul didn't, didn't disagree with that, that comparison. In 1 Corinthians 6, he says these words, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In fact, we're going to be seeing a lot of passages in First and Second Corinthians about the body. I don't know how you are, how you feel about some of this, but I know for a lot of Christians, we have this idea, well, we're supposed to focus on the spiritual, not the physical. And a lot of Christians do. They focus on the spiritual, not so much the physical. I think of 1 Timothy 4, it says something like, uh, for physical fitness or physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise has value in all things, including this life and the life to come. And so there's the patch. It says, see, it's more important to be spiritually fit than physically fit. And I don't know if that's what that verse is really saying. It's just saying physic- there is some value in being physically fit. And a lot of people spend a lot of time working on that body of theirs. So much that I don't know what kind of spiritual body they're going to have on Judgment Day. Because we have, are in a culture that's preoccupied with the physical body, how we look. You know, I would love to look more like George Clooney and not like Rosemary Clooney. And you may not know who she is, but... Uh, I'd like for everybody to just take a big, deep breath and just relax. Because what I want us to look at is what does the Bible say about taking care of this body that God has given you. Now, before we get started, I just want to want to welcome uh, our fifth graders. Would they? Would you all stand up over here? There they are. I want to make I want to make sure I embarrass them really good. Uh, you have seen. It's good to see you guys, and uh, they they're coming in every once in a while and seeing what we're doing over here. So try not to bore them. Okay, be excited. And, you know. So they'll look forward to coming here. Okay. <laughs> 
But uh, let's get started looking at this. What I want to do right now is, as we're looking at this idea of, of the body being the temple and we're to take care of it as stewards, why? Why should I do that? You know, we've never really outgrown that question. Remember as kids, why? Why? We still ask that, you know. As adults, we should. On the Bible. Okay, let's look at them. The first reason I need to take care of my body is because God made my body in His image. He made, he made my body, but He also made it in His image. In Genesis, remember, He says, let us make man in our image. And so that's exactly what He does. He says, let us make human beings in our image and likeness and let them rule, in other words, manage over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky. And he goes on, he goes on to say here, he says, uh, let, them, let, let them rule over the tame animals, over the earth, over all the small crawling animals of the earth. He's saying, let, let this person, these people, let this, this, what I'm creating in my image, be the stewards of the earth, be the managers of the earth. The fish don't do that. The crawling animals don't do that. No, it's these people that I've made in my image. And look what else he goes on to say. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. Now, God used himself. Think about this. God used himself as a pattern to make your body, to make you and me. He said, well, what am I going to, what can I do? Why, you know, I'm going to make this as a special animal on the earth. This is a special person on the earth. And I'll use myself as a pattern. Why? Why would God want to use himself as a pattern to make your body, to make my body? It must be that he wants people to see his character. He wants, he wants, he wants others to see what God is really like. See, a tree can't do that. A tree can only give us so much of what God's, what God's like. A star in the sky, as beautiful as they can be, can tell us some things about God. But not everything. And, and neither can a mountain or a sunset. But God made you and made me, made our bodies for that purpose. You're the only thing on the planet that displays all of what God is about. And that, we should take care of our bodies because of that. What, what are people seeing? What are they learning about God from watching you? Because God made you in His image so people could see, so others could see what He was really like. Number two, because my body belongs to God. Now we're getting into these First Corinthian passages. And look at this. Apostle Paul says, he says this, he says, Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You're, you do not belong to yourself. My body belongs to do with it. And that statement does convey ownership. You have to admit it does, doesn't it? I mean, that person, whoever says that, maybe you've said, it's my body, I'll do whatever I want with it. You're, you're making it real clear that the owner has the right to do whatever he sees fit with that body. Right? There's only one problem. What you think you own is really on loan. It's not yours. It's not mine. 
the body you have is not really yours. And the, even though it's, your name is on it, you know, when people say, hi, Tim, they're not saying that just to anybody else. You ever made the mistake of thinking some, you thought you saw somebody and you call out their name and it's not the person? Yeah, okay. That makes sense when they look a lot alike. Right? But just because my name is attached to this body on my birth certificate doesn't mean it's mine. It really belongs to God. So the question I want you to think about this morning as we think about this, this motivator for taking care of your body is, what would God want me to do with this body if it's His? And it is. It belongs to Him. What would He want me to do with it? Where would He, where would he like me to take it? How would He want me to use it? Number three, I should take care of my body because God's Spirit lives in my body. As a Christian, as a believer, this is very, very motivating when you stop and think about it. God wants to live inside me. Look at the, Again, look at Paul's passage here, 1 Corinthians 6 again. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Now, I could, I could probably, I, a lot of preachers will use this illustration. If the President of the United States decided to come over to your home and visit for the weekend, would it change your plans? What would you do? Would you scramble to get the house clean? You know, you're going to have a lot of secret service around, a lot of choppers, the press. They're only going to spend the weekend. Ladies, what would you do with that junk room? Gentlemen, is that underwear going to be on the floor when the... Barack Obama walks in? Probably not. And we kind of say that kind of stuff like, well, what if, what if this particular, this movie star were to come to your house or this famous person were to come to your house? Would it change things? And, of course, we'd say, yeah, it probably would. But I want you to know, I don't believe that, the, that Paul is trying to say to the church here at Corinth that God lives inside you to make you paranoid about all the imperfections in you. It's not necessarily about, look at all this, you know, God lives in you and you need to be perfect. Who can be perfect? No, I think he's trying to motivate the the church here at Corinth, who lived in a society and in a culture that was pretty free with their bodies sexually, and they did whatever felt good. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? And he's saying to them, think about this, God lives inside you. Like a temple. And when he dwelled in the temple, it was the place where you worshipped him. So let your body be a place of worship to God. You know, when you have God dwelling in you, you have his love dwelling in you. You have his joy dwelling in you. You have his power dwelling in you. That's pretty cool. And so you want to take care of your body. Because God is wanting not to visit but reside in you. Why should I take care of my body? Number four, because God paid a high price for my body. I don't know if anybody's ever said this. You're a piece of work, you know. You are. You're not cheap. I was, I was walking around schnooks on Valentine's Day trying to find some chocolate-covered strawberries. I failed. 
and I'm walking around trying to, you know, what am I going to do here, you know, and and uh, and I and I notice, you know, man, women are expensive. I've heard, Willie Dale one time said that to me. He said, you know, Mr. Tim, I learned something. What's that? Women can be expensive. When you compare health insurance premiums, a woman's health insurance premium is higher than that of a man's. You don't think you're valuable? You don't think your body's valuable? Why do you spend so much money on doctors? Why is it so expensive? You're working on a, a piece of work. You're working on a masterpiece. And one of the reasons, you know, God saw that. He saw, one of the reasons He paid this high price, He saw in you that you're valuable. He saw your body. He saw your life. He saw everything about you. He made you. And He says, it's going to take a lot to buy that person. And so He pays this high price for your body. Look at it again. Look what it says here. Or don't you know that your body is the image of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? And He says, you were for God bought you at a high price, it says in verse 20. So you must honor God with your body. I don't know how it is with you, but you know I tend to treat expensive things differently than I treat cheap things. You know what I'm talking about? You ever notice that? You find out it's not really worth that much. Uh, if you ever want to have a lively discussion, talk to Greg Chappell. Greg used to drive these cars that really shouldn't have been on the road. I remember when I first moved up here back in 1985, and I got to meet Greg, and he goes, come on, we'll go up and get a burger. And I get in his car, he's got this old Mustang, and the muffler's not working very good, big old hole in the side of it. We had to push it to start it. I get inside, and I put my feet down before we take off, and they hit the road. And I'm like, There's a, I kid you not. The hole is this big in his floorboard. It's like Fred Flintstone. It's just there's no floorboard. Fumes. <coughs> I'm thinking we're going to die. And I remember he had that car for it had a it, I'll kid you not it had a it had a headlight on a, a piece of baling wire and as you're driving down the road it would like a lazy eye it would kind of move over this way for a while and kind of move over that way for a while and I'm going. You got electric lights or something? No, what's the problem? Your headlight just went over into the neighbor's yard. <laughs> I see a raccoon. <laughs> you go, that's great. Back it goes. It's just kind of wandering around or something. Oh, I got it hooked on a piece of baling wire. I go, right. And I looked. He was true. He drilled a hole, put a piece of baling wire. Hold it right there. Now he has a, an HHR, 2000-something HHR. And he tells me how he's... Greg never left. He, trash is always in his car. Am I right about that, Gary? I mean, it's always trash. Now, the Mustang wasn't quite that bad because there was a hole there, okay? <laughs> there goes that McDonald's. <laughs> oh, there you go. Out of sight, out of mind, I guess. But he was telling me the other day, I said, so how do you like this car? I love it. I go, I get, in, I get inside. There's a floorboard. This is nice. And I don't see any trash. I go, Greg, i got to ask, where's the trash? He goes, oh, we sweep it out all the time. I want to take care of this car. What is it? We, cheap things we don't take care of. Expensive things we do. I'll tell you, I got news for, I got news for you. Not good news. I got news for you. You got to burn a house. You're not thinking about the cheap stuff. If you're trying to get it out of the house, are you? You're trying to get the expensive stuff, the things that matter. 
And you guys, God says you were bought. God bought you at a high price. He's saying you're valuable to him. Don't worry about what other people think. God says you're valuable. And and because of that, are you priceless? Well, it was a high price. And you ought to take care of your body because it's expensive. God saw it. It's valuable. So you should take care of it. Number five, because my body can honor God. And I think this is something that I, I want us to think about. Is A lot of times, I, I don't know about you, but I've found myself thinking this way, that I honor God through the things I do, but, you know, the spiritual things. And I never include my body in that. I don't include my body in the spiritual things that I'm, I'm doing. And yet, God includes the body. He says the body is a part of, of honoring me. It is a spiritual, not just physical. It has a spiritual element to it. Look at this passage again. Again, here we are. And it says here in uh, first, first Corinthians 6, For God bought you at a high price, because, so you must honor God with your body. Use your body to bring glory and honor to God. You know, Paul wasn't done. He's talking to the church of Corinth, and I, apparently, you know, what I understand about the, the culture in Corinth, it was just loosey goosey. You know, Miley Cyrus would have fit right in. Twerking would have been old. I'm just telling you, honest, I'm just to be honest with you. Twerking would have been what? That's, all, that's the best you got? Let me show you what we do. And it made her hair stand on end. Look at this. Look at what it says here in 2 Corinthians 4. We carry... Here's, here's how Paul, he realized that you know my body can honor God. And I say this to you, for many of us here who think my body can't honor God. I have disease. I'm overweight. I'm sick. I, I can't honor God because I'm tired all the time. I can't honor God. Let me tell you, whatever condition your body is in today, I want you to know God wants to use it to bring honor to Him. No matter what condition your body's in. And he's trying to get you motivated to use it now. And look what he says here in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul said, we carry the death of Jesus in our own bodies. Why? So that the life of Jesus can also be seen in our bodies. You mean, and again, I want to be... I got some people here that are very physically fit that want me to get on the people that aren't. All right, and I'm I'm not really interested in jumping on anybody about the condition of your body this morning. I think you already know you need to change some things. Probably your diet, maybe some exercise. You may may need to change some of the things you're doing. Maybe get off that lazy boy. Get off your blessed assurance and do something for a change. I get it. I understand that. And I I used to drink eight sodas a day. A day. Two years ago, I decided I was going to stop it. I had, you know, went a month without drinking a soda. I've told you this. My, I'll never forget this. You know, uh, I, I finally had a Mr. Pip because then he says, it's okay to drink soda. It's not a sin. I go, I know it's not a sin. I just, I want to be free of this because I was always drinking. I drank, drank soda so much, guys, it didn't taste like soda anymore. It tasted like battery acid. You all know what I'm talking about? It just had that, ah! 
after about the fifth one. And I just remember, well, come on, have a Mr. Pibb. Live a little, Tim. I'm like, I'm thinking of Eve and Adam in the garden. (laughs) Woman, we're having popcorn. Come on. Okay, I will. I drank some soda, you know. People know I haven't drank soda in a month. I bet you it tasted awful, didn't it? I go, no, it tasted real good. <laughs> give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I want more, I want more. It was so good. And, you know, now I probably have a soda once, sometimes twice a week. I'm just very careful with my intake. I drink more water. I'm eating more vegetables. I'm the kind of guy, you know, that when it says billions and billions served at McDonald's, I know I'm at least two billion. Just me. Number three at breakfast. What is that? Bacon, egg, and cheese. I haven't forgot. Bacon, egg, and cheese, the hash brown coffee. And I had it every day until Nicole, my daughter-in-law, says, Tim, you need to maybe think about that. And ever since, once, maybe once a week or once every two weeks, I'll I'll splurge. Why? Because I want Christ to be seen. Uh, I don't want you to see an overweight preacher standing in front of you. How's that? Would you respect me if I weighed? And I'm talking about discipline today. It's awful quiet in here. I know what you think. No, I wouldn't respect that. I have a friend of mine that was pushing the 300-pound barrier that was laying in a hospital in intensive care. And as I hold his hand, he says to me, Tim, they say I may not live. I go, you're kidding me. I'm not getting enough oxygen. Pray for me. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. Tim, they're saying I may not make it. So we pray. And this guy goes, gets serious about his body. And he said, you know, I, for years I'd stand in front of a church and I'd be preaching on, on discipline. And I know they had to be thinking. How can you talk about that? What happened? They, they couldn't see Christ. Now, I know some of you here, you may be thinking, so nobody can see Christ in me. I'm saying Christ can be seen in whatever size body you have today when his power is working in there. Okay? Look at this next passage. Look at this next passage. It says here in verse 7, But this precious treasure, he says, and notice he says, This light and power, would you circle light and power? This light and power that now shine within us is held in perishable containers. That sounds like Tupperware. (laughs) He says, perishable containers, that is, in our weak bodies. Why? So everyone can see that our glorious power is from God and is not our own. I'm saying to you, and again, whatever size your body is, whatever condition your body is, even if you're chiseled and you look like my nephew at the Atlanta Ballet that looked like Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon, less than 10%... Up and go like this, and not that I'm staring at this, but you can't help notice it looks like a, a, a marble statue of definition. 
in their body. And I say this, I say this with complete honesty. My, my nephew, amazing. I don't know if he's using any of his body for the Lord. He used it to entertain. And wow, it was amazing. Never been to a ballet. Moved to tears. There's Romeo and Juliet. Not a word said. I'm used to words. i got to have a talkie. You know, everybody's moving around and I'm like, wow. And yet that's his life. Nothing else. He eats, sleeps, and drinks ballet. And what I'm saying to you is even a person that's, that's, that's in shape, Paul would say, your body's weak. It is a perishable container. And God wants to use that to show his life, his light, and his power. So I say to you today, uh, this morning, if, you're, if your body, if you've let yourself go, God wants to take you somewhere. If you've let yourself go and you're not, you know, you're flabby, you're out of shape or whatever you want to call it, you're tired all the time. How does God use you if you're tired all the time? If, if, I want you to know that he's not looking for the strong to use. He's looking for you. He's saying, I want to use you. Because I, people can really see Christ in a body that's used up. They see that journey and that change because you are taking care of your body. What's the sixth reason? The sixth thing I notice is this, is that I need to take care of my body because I'll stand before God for what I do with my body. I always thought, no, what I do with my life, with my body too. Look what the Bible says here. Again, 2 Corinthians, Paul's still talking to the Corinthian church. So our aim is to please Him always, whether we are in His body or away from the body. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We'll each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. See, one day God's going to, we're all going to meet God. We're all going to stand before God and He's going to say, What would you do with the hands I gave you? What would you do with them, Tim? Did you use them? I gave you the hands. I gave you the gift to use your hands a certain way. Did you use them just for yourself? Did you use them just for yourself or did you make money? Or did you use them to help others, to care for other people? And what about those feet I gave you, Tim? Did you go to places that would that would help others, help others find Christ? Did they take you to to serve? Did you stand strong on those feet for the Lord? What did you do with those eyes? What did you spend time focused on and looking at? Were you looking into my Word? Did you use it to read and look at the Word? Or was you on the computer all the time? Were you, did you see the needs of others? Or were you just seeing what was in it for you? How would you use those eyes, Tim? And what about those ears? And I'm giving you some pretty big ones. They kind of stick out, don't they? Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I want you to use those ears. 
Did you use them? Yeah, I used them. Well, did you use them? Did you use them to listen to people, or listen to crap on the radio? Did you did you did you use them to listen for my voice, or what you wanted to hear? How'd you use those that mouth I gave you? You know, yesterday, Kyle Eidelman was at Lincoln, and tremendous this uh, tremendous thought. I couldn't get it out of my mind. About Moses. Remember Moses when God said he wanted him to go speak? And, and Moses said, I can't. I have faltering lips. And God said, who made those lips? And I, I, you know, I've always had the idea. He's saying, Moses, I made those lips. And they do much better than you think. You just have a low self-esteem. I'm not so sure he was saying that. I think he was trying to say, I made those lips weak on purpose to use. After God got a hold of him. But God uses our weakness to display his strength, to his power. But I know he's going to ask me, he's going to ask you, what did you use that mouth for? Did you use it to encourage others or to insult others? Did you use it to, to share the gospel or gossip about people? Did you complain? I, I think he's going to say to us someday, how did, you, how did you use those muscles I gave you? And fellas, you know, welcome to the gun show, you know. Is that what he's going to say? Is that what you're, you're going to use it just to pose and impress or look at this, you know? And is, is, am I, am, I want to use the mus- my muscles for myself. Or is it going to be that energy and using the muscles God has given me for service? You and I are going to stand before God. And I, I'm just saying there's hopefully one of these six will motivate you to look at how you're taking care of your temple. So the next question simply is, what can I do with my body? So what can I do? I, I asked myself, I looked at the Bible, looked at, I looked at every verse that talked about body, bodies, uh, anything I could find that related to the body to see what it said. And I found three commitments you and I can make that we, that we can make as Christians and I want to encourage you to make that will take care of your body. The first one is, I will dedicate my body to God. Would you make that commitment this morning? That you'll say, Lord, I'm going to dedicate my body to you. I, you know, I don't know if you're impressed with it that much. I mean, it may not be. It's not perfect by a long shot. I know that. Um, Peter O'Toole um, one time was uh, on David Letterman. And um, it was funny. He said uh, he had this leather jacket. And he's talking about this leather jacket he's had for years. It was his favorite leather jacket. He said it had... All kinds of liquor stains, because he was a heavy drinker. Potato chip, grease stains. Blood was even on this leather jacket. And he said, I just loved it so much, I wanted to send it, I decided to send it to the cleaners. And, and uh, he was telling this story to say, this is what I want to have on my tombstone. Uh, and what happens is, he sends it to the cleaners, and the cleaners send it back, and a note is attached. And this is what he wanted to have said on his, on his uh, tombstone. 
It distresses us to return work which is not perfect. And I know we're not perfect. I know you're not. I'm not perfect. I know, you know, you know what I'm saying? We all have our imperfections. There's no perfect body. I get that. I hope you get that. But you know, God says, I want it. You're attractive to me and I want it. I, I want your body. I want to use it. You know, Jesus one time was talking to some, some dudes and they were all, you know, saying, hey, you know, uh, how do we pay taxes? How would you pay the taxes? And he says, well, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Remember what else he said? And you give to God what belongs to God. And he's just given a principle there and, and applied it to a particular situation. But his attitude was, whatever belongs to God, you need to make sure you give it to the Lord. And we, we know our bodies belong to God. So why not decide this morning, you know what? In the shape it's in, good or bad, I'm going to dedicate my body to Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Romans 12. And so, dear friends, Christian friends or brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will accept when you think of what He's done for you, is that too much to ask? No, it's not. And I want to encourage all of you here. You know, it's, it's not your body. It belongs to the Lord. God lives in this body. You can honor God with this body. Why not? The first step is dedicate it. Give it to Him. Whether it's sick, whether it's healthy, just say, Lord, you know, you've got it. You've got what's left of it. I'm giving it to you, and it's, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but you can have it. He wants it. Second thing I can do is I can, I will discipline my body for God. Not only do I give my body to God, I dedicate it, uh, my body to God, I discipline it for God. I heard somebody say this one time, whenever I start to think about exercise, I just lie down until the thought goes away. <laughs> I, read this, I read this this morning. Was, I'm not into working out. My philosophy is no pain, no pain. I kind of share that. I kind of like that philosophy, okay? But I got to admit, and think about it for a minute, would you? What can God do when through a body that's tired all the time, that doesn't get enough sleep, that doesn't, doesn't eat the right foods or doesn't exercise. What can God do with a body that's just, you know, that's got some problem with it because I haven't maintained it and took care of it? Does that make sense? I'm looking at Steph. I'll tell you why I just looked at you, Steph. I'm not talking about getting cancer. I'm not talking about getting a disease here. I'm talking about things that I can do something about. By the way, God can use a person with cancer because we see it every day. God can use somebody with diabetes. Somebody can use somebody that's large or small or real skinny. It doesn't ma- I mean, God can use those people. The question is, will I discipline my body for God? Look what Paul says. Here we are in the Olympics. What an appropriate thing here. I discipline my body like an athlete. Can you think of an Olympic athlete right now? Can you think of a figure skater? 
a skier, a snowboarder right now. Those speed skaters, their legs are as big as tree trunks. Where do they get pants? It's impossible. You know, the hockey team, wasn't a wild game, huh? Wasn't that a wild game? He, Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete. Well, you, are, you, are you training for the Olympics? Is that, what you're, is that what you're trying to tell us today? You know, that we all got to be athletic. You know, da, 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 da. You know is that what we're going to do? No, I don't think he's saying these things. But I do need to discipline my body like an athlete. And what's, what's an athlete do? He eats right, exercises. He uses judgment as to what he's going to put in his body, what he's going to do with his time. Amen. You know that's true. You know it's true. And notice he says, he's, he goes, I tra- I'm training it to do what it should. That's discipline, see. That's making your body. I think one translation says, I beat my body daily and make it my slave. i got a feeling a lot of us here, we haven't put a mark on our body in a long time. We don't make it do anything. It kind of pushes us around. It has seems to have all this power over us. And Paul says, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna push my body. I'm gonna train like an athlete. Why? Because I'm I'm fearing that after I preach to others, I myself might be disqualified. Oh, he'll look like a hypocrite. No, he's saying I not only a hypocrite, I will be disqualified. What causes disqualification? Breaking rules." And he's saying, I, I just want to make sure I'm on my game. And part of it is taking care of my body. Disciplining my body. Here's a third one. I will devote my body to being used by God. I make this decision. I want to dedicate. Lord, you've got it. Here it is. I'm also going to discipline it. I know that I can improve it. I'm going to be involved in you training me so you can use it. But I'm also going to devote it to you, to be used by you. Look what Paul says to the Roman church. Don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. Every point I've made is in that verse. Honoring God with your body, it doesn't belong to you. Everything from training it, sacrifice, giving it completely. He says, but devote it to that. Guys, I want to ask you, How long do you want God to use your body? I remember... uh, I remember early on, when I was a young preacher boy, about 20, 19, 20 years old, going through preacher school, and Mike Napier said to me, uh, you know, Tim, God's not interested in 100-yard dash men, but marathon men. I didn't know what he was talking about. And he says, you're hitting everything so hard, you better learn to pace yourself. And, and, and then he said to me, how long do you want God to use you? 
I said, all my life. Well, how long do you intend to live? Because at the pace you're going, you're not going to be around very long. I said, well, I want to be around a long time. I'll ask you, how long do you intend God to use you? You know, God may have only plans to use you for 10 years. Or for 50 years. For, or for 80 years. Who knows? The question is, will God get to use you then? Will God get to use you all those years? Or will you let yourself go? I miss my dad. Died at 57. I'll be 57 in June. And I'm walking around in a body kind of like the same age as him. And I'm thinking, man, I don't feel like I've... I could go like that. Maybe I can. Maybe I, you know, heart or something. I went to the doctor. They say everything's fine. But you know, one thing I, one of the things I really miss, my dad was a smoker and a drinker. He didn't take care of himself. Skinny as a rail, and didn't take care of himself. And what I wished so desperately it was that he could have met. Nathan and Matt, but he didn't take care of himself. No matter how many times I'd say, "Dad, I wish you'd quit smoking," or "I wish you'd quit that drinking," or "Could you lighten up a little bit?" You'll light up, sure. He, no, no. I'm. Did you just ease off the the tobacco some? I want you around. To, oh, I'll always be around. My family lives a long time. He never got to meet my. My grandson, or my sons, his grandsons. I sure could use him right now. I could use him right now. Asking him, what would you do? Same age. He's the same age as Vernon. Lots of wisdom. You gonna be around for the grandkids? The great grandkids. You gonna be around for the spiritual grandkids in this church, or are you just gonna let yourself go and be dead before God was done with you? You see, there's so many things out of our control. I could have cancer tomorrow. I could fall in the ice and hit my head and have a hemorrhage. All of us here, something's going to get us, right? We know that. And I can't control a lot of that. I, I don't believe I can control really any of it. But I can control this: How am I going to take care of my body? How am I going to take? What am I? What steps am I going to take so that God can use me? Not as a poor example, but as a good example. Let me encourage you this morning. To dedicate, dedicate your body to God. Begin to discipline. Just start now. I'm going to start now. Say, Lord, you got my body, and I'm going to let you. I'm going to devote myself. I'm your tool. I'm your tool. Use me any way you want.
I'm saying this morning, make, make these commitments so, so people, others can see God's power at work in your weak body. There was a, I'm going to end this thing. There was a, um, a carpenter one day was uh, working and he was ready to retire. And so he calls his boss aside, the contractor, and he says, Hey, listen, man, I, I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm ready to retire. I'm wanting to get, enjoy, you know, the sunset of my life, you know, the, uh, with my family, with leisure. And this one, you know, I want to, want to give my notice. And the boss said, Okay, sure, I understand. Uh, he goes, But could you do me one favor? He goes, What's that? Could you build one more house? I need you to build, help me, you know, I need to get one more house built. He goes, Sure, we can do that. I, I guess. So he begins to work on it. But, you know, into the project, he starts going, you know, you could tell his heart was just not in it anymore. He just wasn't wanting to build a house anymore. And so he began to cut some corners. His work got a little shoddy here and there. He used cheap material. But he stayed at it. And after a period of time, he finally gets this house built. And uh, the boss goes, you done? He goes, yeah, I'm finally done. He goes, yeah. And he has the keys to the front door. And he goes, let me give the keys to you because I want you to have this house. This is my gift to you. I don't know about you, but I'm sure that guy was thinking. God's given you this body. He's handed you the keys to manage it. I want you to have this. I want you to use this. I want you to bring honor to me. I want you to enjoy the best of life. Don't be surprised at the end. Accept it now. It's your body. Because God has given it to you and He wants you to use it. And see, you choose how to manage this temple. Manage it well, church. Manage it well. You have a card in your bulletin, and it's just a point, you know, a, a point in this service where we give you an opportunity to make a choice, make a decision. And I just want you to know that all of us here are, we could use some discipline. We could use, we could make some decisions about dedicating and disciplining and devoting our bodies to God. And without thinking about somebody else in another row or somebody else that you love, I'd like you to think about yourself for a minute and just ask yourself a couple of questions. Am I dedicating my body to God? God, what do you want me to do with it? And, let, and, and make a decision this morning to manage God's temple. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that uh, after I pray here. We're going to sing a song, give you an opportunity to fill that card out, and then we'll sing another song and collect all those cards up. And we'll have, we have people that will be praying for you all week over these cards. And over your choices that you're making, praying that you'll stick to some of these choices. And um, we're also going to be taking up our contribution as well. So we thank you for coming this morning. It's good to be together. Let's pray. Dear God, we live in a culture that's obsessed with beauty and perfect bodies. We live in a culture that... um, that equates good-looking and healthy as, as successful and anything else, well, it doesn't measure up. But, Father, you, 
We recognize you made our bodies and they belong to you. You purchased our bodies with your sons as it gave gave himself up on the cross. And as believers, Father, your spirit, we believe this, your spirit lives in our bodies. Why would you want to be inside us? But you do. You really do. Lord, help us honor you with this body that belongs to you. We dedicate our bodies to you this morning, Father. And we pray against any barriers or strongholds or habits that keep us from taking care of this body we have. Father, we need help from you. We need your power. And we're glad it's on the inside. We pray, Father, it begins to work from the inside out. Because, Father, we know you're more powerful than any habit or hang-up that we have. There's no addiction. There's no, there's no habit, Father, that's strong enough to hold us when you have your way with us. And so we offer our body to you, as broken and as weak as it is, and ask you help us discipline it, that we make this body of ours do what it should, that we know. And Father, that we devote our bodies as tools in your hands so you can use this body of ours as long as you wish. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.